Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. It's an honor to have each and every one of you here, especially during the fall now, transitioning into winter. 2023 has been a fun year. I've been doing a bit more driving, working on some life stuff, and... Well, you know, I wish I had more to say, but... Through everything, I appreciate you all being here. It's been one hell of a ride, and... Well, Sin Hunter's definitely not getting any older or younger, so... Got a bit more time ahead of us. During the revising and editing stages of the Sin Hunter, it's taken a lot of stress on me. So, to counter this, I decided to write a short little compendium of stories and little snippets that I will be incorporating later on into the book, but for right now I figured would be fitting to tell from a more story-accurate perspective. Now, it's not a guarantee that any of these will make it into the final copy, however, figured you might like to hear a little more context and maybe some background on all of your favorite characters. With that said, let's get started with a couple of our favorite protagonists. Let's check in on our stim-packing string-ups with, of course, everybody's favorite, newly branded quartet. <clears throat> now, I'm not saying the deck might be cheating, but, uh, Crow coughed, waving his hand full of cards like a fan as he motioned with one hand to his associate across the table. Where's your, uh, <clears throat> where's your other eye there, buddy? Deck removed his face from the burial of cards in his own armored hands, revealing one hand covering his eye and the other blinking in confusion. Why? The armored demon laughed. I don't think I quite understand, Crow, he chided with smug intent. Please elaborate for the table, if you would. Crow reached his arm across the table, his hands sticking tight to his partner's as he pulled hard, ripping away Dex's glove to reveal a stump where his eye should have been. At once, the table full of Dex and drinks gasped in shock. The plague infector then reached a hand up to the ceiling, stepping up from his chair as he reached over the lamp, seizing an eyeball that hung by some scotch tape from the surface. Uh, come on, Dex, this isn't the big house. You gotta be playing fair, these are people you know. The rest of the members of the table either clicked their tongues or, more commonly, Hassel Deck and gave him a hard time about the slick maneuver, some even rewarding him for the trickery with a little bit of their drinks. Laughter picked up as Deck sheepish, sheepishly shrank into his chair, while Crow shifted in his own seat to face his second associate across to the right of the table. Hey, Shrap, it's getting close to that time. We gotta pack things in around five. You got it? The Plague Invector called, tapping his wristwatch. A taller, wire-thin figure twisted out from a table across the room where chips were being dealt. A small candle hung above his hat while his top hat rested behind his crooked face mask. Ah, oh, come on, Crow! I just started it! We made a promise, dude! Can't back off on that! As the crowds at the tables laughed and whispered through their drinks, Crow dusted his lap off, tilting his hat before he left the table, speaking to his watch. <clears throat> Alright, now tell me that you have something, anything that could help you washed out Nazi. A staticky voice cracked to life from the receiver. As a matter of fact, I have some valuable information for you. However, your choice of words do not give me further reason to share said information. Crow clutched one of his lenses in fury, concerned his grip may have broken or bent the frame. Oh my god. Okay, look, we can discuss further details of policy and manners when the world isn't crumbling under the pressure of a million stars. Got it? The voice on the other end of Crow's watch let out a low, rolling sigh before continuing. Very well. I shall forward you and your drunk associates the information shortly. 
In the meantime, I must go. Look close to me. Crow nodded, gently tapping the frame of his right lens to test its structure. Uh-huh, right. Work is in whatever revamped death machine you're building this time? The voice returned a violent head. Do not mock me, Frenchman. I am not in the slightest concern with burying your fractured skull beneath my mechanical prowess. Yeah, 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 whatever, pal. See you soon. Ah! That is nice. The monitor clicked dead, ending the conversation as Crow rolled up his sleeves, storming down the hall as he flipped his coattails out behind him. Stupid friggin' Germans, he grumbled beneath his mask. As Crow threw open the door out into the steaming alleyway, he brushed some rain off of his shoulder, turning to the left out of the alleyway into the ordinarily coastal city of Lust. Tonight, however, rain worsened the atmosphere with darker skies and rain, keeping citizens off the streets and neon lights flashing with all kinds of sexual advertisements. But not Crow. Not when this man was preoccupied with a job. As the plague infector's wash buzzed again, Crow slipped the device through under his mask, his goggles flashing with lights. Hey, Jack! Uh, hey, dude, how's everything going? Yeah, about that. I may need a bit of help here, like, now! Crow tilted his beak to the air, confused. Okay, what can I help with? Sin Hunter's voice sounded rushed and panicky. It's telling that you left the keys to the old warehouse open. We're on our way to get a bike, then we'll meet you in Lust. Crow quickened his pace, concerned for his associate. Yeah, wait, 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 hold on. He motioned with a hand. Are you running? And who the hell is we? There's not enough breathing room to explain, the voice shouted. Please, just tell me that you lost some kind of weight into the facility. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did, don't worry. Crow nodded, tightening his cuffs as he slipped into a jog. The top window from the south side of the building's always open. Deck helped me keep a crowbar pried into the edge so we can get in any time. Perfect. We'll see you soon. Wait! Crow shouted, clutching a hand against his head as a leaf smacked into his mask. Who the hell is we? Who are you running with? The line clicked dead before Crow could get an answer. Throwing his hands at his sides, the infector grumbled, rolling his sleeves up. Oh, oh Satan is not going to be happy to hear this. This next segment comes from another clip from the story. Either earlier or later, that's up to interpretation. The lights flickered in the streets, reflecting off shards of glass in the road, while the trio were thrown out from the window next to the door. Ah! Dex shouted, tumbling out onto the sidewalk into a bag of trash. Shrap, however, was sent flying like a pool noodle, wiggling and waving in the air before he smashed into a lamppost, and Crow exited using the front door, dusting off bloodied hands and their brass knuckles as he screamed back into the bar. No thing I'm not coming to get my payment! As the plague infector groaned, wiping his hands on a sleeping sinner's jacket, Crow made his way over to the other associates, helping Shrap out of the dented knot he had formed. Crow wrapped his hands around the lankier demon's arm, to which the stim-packing businessman grumbled in drunken delay. Ah, there he ran off the slippery lip! Before abruptly collapsing into a pile on the street. Dr. Richmond hurried out into the road as flakes of tarnished money dampened the sewer grate to his right, helping Shrap's bottom left arm up over the lip of the cold stone path, while Deck picked bits of glass out of his hair and a particularly nasty scar from his face. Yeesh, the armored dealer shrugged, scooping up his briefcase which slung neatly over his back behind his shield. You know, we should really start looking for better real estate. Ugh. Just a bit of a hot take. Dr. Richmond nodded, hauling Shrap into the compartments of his own suitcase. <sighs> yeah, I don't disagree. Say, could you help me get this guy in here? We got a dip. Deck hurried over, scooping Shrap's long, lanky limbs into bundles of rope as they dropped into the void of a case. Whew, well, guess that's it for him, huh? Deck nodded, turning to Crow. 
The plague infector nodded, turning down into the empty void of a way home. You know, he grumbled, crossing his bloody hands over and under his sleeves. I don't know what I'd do without him. Deck laughed, half drunk, extending a hand over his shield. Ah, you put too much on yourself. Look, man, the armored demon waved to the center, the reek of alcohol amidst his armor. Not everything has to be on your shoulders. That's all you got a team for. Come on, let the demons take some L's this time around, all right? Crow tilted his beak to the air, his goggles twisting in concern. It's... It's not that, Deck, he started, to which the armored demon waved a gauntlet hand. Up, up, up! Zip it till we get back. I'd rather discuss this over sandwiches and some tequila than in a dank street in greed. Come on! With not another word, Deck leapt into the suitcase, the void closing behind him. Crow planted a foot through into the briefcase, then shifted his beak back to the night sky, the stars twinkling ever so preca precariously in the sky. <sighs> his black and white shoulders dropped around his beak. What am I supposed to do about this Molly crew? Huh, Dad? He joked, before dusting off his top hat and switching through the suitcase, closing the lid over top as the briefcase disappeared, leaving the scorching marks of a blazing eye on the street. So, that was a little bit from Shrap, Deck, and Crow, which, not too bad. I'm quite proud of the work myself. Now let's get into the Sin Hunter and his own associate, elsewhere in the world of hell. With the, the whoa, with the season of superstition and the whispers of those beyond the grave, the journey from the netherworld back to the land of the living was not an easy process. Even now, as the Sin Hunter had been transported into a new job, driving along the streets of a dimly illuminated greed, where not even the sun wanted a part of the pitch darkness and the threats that sat within the abyssal blanket, the Sin Hunter pulled to a stop beside the entrance to the museum. As the car shuddered against the curb, Jack stopped, turning to face the passenger he had been traveling with for weeks. <sighs> Alright, Doc, let's get this over with. Jack, I am not doing this. The Sin Hunter rubbed his eyes, planting one hand on the wheel while the other hand extended back to greet the scientist. If we make it through tonight, then we never have to worry about this for the rest of our lives, got it? And since when... The voice continued, while Jack exited the car. Did you become team leader of this little caboodle? From the interior of the car. Jack opened the door to the back seat, swinging out as he politely greeted his associate like they partook in a relationship. Since I didn't set an entire facility in Siberian Russia on fire, little Miss Flamethrower. After much grumbling, a pair of striking, dark leather-toned heels exited the car, while a rather disgruntled bioengineer and nurse followed suit, wrapped in a deep beige fur coat. You know I hate wearing this stupid stuff, Dr. Florence grumbled, while Jack wrapped an arm for display around her shoulder, all the while sliding a tube with special codes into her pocket. Ah, believe me, I do. This will all be over soon. You have my word on that. From the start of their journey into this rabbit hole of Scientology disguised as cult gatherings, the Sin Hunter and his partner had been pursuing the occult terrorists across the globe, what globe. Whether in France via staged murder, Russia and falsified reports, and even Rio de Janeiro with a fake fashion show, the two had done a lot of traveling to finally reach this nightclub shakedown in greed. Tonight was a night when, supposedly, members of a Scientological cult across the living and the dead, also known as Violet in the drug-dealing alleyways, would be gathering for an auction regarding very pricey relics and rare artifacts from seemingly forgotten ages. Scientology, as such a cover-up would imply for the Sin Hunter and his own team, is a religion that offers a, quote, 
precise path leading to a complete and certain understanding of one's true spiritual nature and one's relationship to self, family, groups, mankind, all life forms, the material universe, the spiritual universe, and the supreme being." Unquote. However, after a close friend had been killed due to what was revealed as a staged overdose, Jack became thoroughly convinced that this supreme being figure wasn't all they were cracked up to be. With Crow and Trap covering somewhere in the sky, and Dick with his hun, Harley, guarding the back doors while Jack and Cynthia stormed the front, there was risk, but not as much as would have been if they had tackled it alone. The Sin Hunter closed his eyes, recalling a panicked, frothing face of his friend before they grew limp in his arms. I'm not going to let this cult grow any further beyond the vines than it already has. So you want me to do what again? In the calm of the museum exhibit, with shining tapestries and beautiful, priceless artifacts in glass cases surrounding the room, the Sin Hunter's muddy trench coat draped over the wooden floor, while the swishing of changing clothes shuffled beyond a curtain. I'll admit, Jack, you've done some sketchy crap in your life. But this? Oh, no. No, 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 this takes the cake. The Sin Hunter tilted his fedora to an angle, grumbling as he tapped his foot on the floor, scattering dried bits of mud over the wood. Doc, you and I both know that this heist could set us up for life. Regardless of who's offering or if this breaks any international laws, the payment over the punishment is too great to pass up. Plus, it'll give us a chance to shut down Violet. As Jack concluded his statement, the doctor emerged from behind one of the tapestries, garbed in a somewhat revealing dress with bulky fur on her ankles and wrist cuffs. Jack, the bioengineer stated monotonically, striking her hips with firm hands. I don't see how any of this... She continued, motioning with a trimmed hand to her physique. Fixes anything for our plan. The Sin Hunter strode across the floor to the doctor, taking her hands in his. I don't like it either, Thea. But remember, we need to warm up to the buyers just long enough to slip them under our thumbs. Once we have that, he wrapped up, brushing a hand cautiously along Cynthia's forearm, then we can get to earning more than they promised. The doctor sighed, her eyes locking with the Sin Hunter's. Silly Jack, she laughed, stepping back as she clicked against the floor. I know, I swear to God! Okay, this I can handle, but there's no way I'm wearing these heels. I despise these conniving destructors of walking. Jack laughed, crossing his arms while he checked his watch. <sighs> okay, okay, I think I can reason with those. Take the heels off, I'll give you a pair of old boots. Ah, oh, thank you so much, I needed this. Cynthia snatched a pair of boots from behind a backpack propped against a pillar taking the boots as she slid them over her feet. The Sin Hunter tilted his fedora to the sky, viewing the cloud-filled, starry night above the city. I get the feeling we may need to leave a bit sooner than expected. We have to give them a trustworthy reputation. Right. And then, Cynthia tagged in, fastening warm wool boots over her feet as she tied her hair back with a shape-shifted third hand. Then we can get down to business. Cynthia re-emerged, this time wrapped in alluring attire, but allowing herself a bit more protective piece of equipment. Eh? What do you think? She smirked, twirling as her dress spun with her. Jack shook his head, laughing as he wrapped his arm up in hers. All right, I'll allow it. Let's go. As the two exited the museum with a light rain beginning to hit the sidewalk, Jack closed his eyes, placing a hand on his fedora as he turned to the eager and relaxed Cynthia. Doc, do you mind if I ask you something? It's, it's in regards to jewels. Cynthia stopped at the sidewalk while they waited for a limo. I... There was a hesitation in her tone before she offered... Sure. Go ahead. Jack cleared his throat, recalling the moment they had just endured in the museum. Okay. Uh, Jules. Is she well? 
I suppose that's a good place to start. Cynthia nodded, pursing her lips as her glasses shone with red flashes. Yeah, she's, um... <laughs> she's doing well. She tackled a kid the other day, thanks to your work. Jack smiled, impressed that she had learned so well and was still using her skills. That's good to hear, really. There was a brief but loud and uneven silence before the Sin Hunter spoke again. Listen, Cynthia. It was rare that Jack ever referred to Dr. Florence by her first name, either out of fear, desperation, or something was about to be tense. In this case, especially tense. Whatever happens next, I give you my word. Once we're done with all this, all this rematch stuff in hell, once we can see the real sun and the stars again, I will never let Jules come to Western Ridge. It just... Jack paused, turning with a clear pain in his eyes to face Cynthia, who appeared in equal hesitation. I... I can't tell Jules that there's a possibility... Jack, I already took a test. There was a stunned silence before Cynthia spoke again. This time, her voice came out slow and shallow, not wanting to be stirred further. And I already discussed things with Max. You remember our little adventure in Lust and what Asmodeus did to us? Jack nodded, keeping his lid shut while Cynthia continued. We, um... Yeah. Yeah, Jules, she... Yeah. Cynthia cut herself short as a limo, gold against the pale green light, rolled to the curb where the two stood. The window rolled down as a guard, dressed formally with dark purple shades, leaned forward to greet them. After a moment of silence, the guard spoke. You two got any lemons? Jack nodded, extracting a card from his trench coat. Our stall's always open. The guard took the small piece of paper, inspecting the polished, smooth-cut grooves in the red surface before pressing a button, popping open the door. All right, get in. We got places to be. Jack nodded, helping the doctor in first, then climbing in as his boots left the curb, and the vehicle rolled away down from the museum. And that's where we're at for right now. Boy. You know, I can't think of any other better time that I would want to spend than with these characters. I've been going through some improving stuff, and I, I really do love them. <clears throat> Sorry, broke character for a moment. <laughs> so, with that said, if there's any characters that you would really, really like to hear more of that I've already brought up, or if there's something else you'd like to listen to, uh, please let me know. I'm currently working on turning on Fiverr listener support, so anything you want to reach out about, or if you're a continuous listener, please feel free to. I'd be happy to talk, maybe arrange something, and if you are even more interested in continuing some writing careers or even starting a bit of book writing of your own, I officially have a business for hire. The business is called Ollivander's Tales, and you can find it on a website called Fiverr. Fiverr is a self-employment business that is purely self-driven, and although the company takes about 20% of what you make, it's not bad for prices at all. I charge $5 a page for your writing prompts and all your writing desires. Original, creative short stories, anything you want, 5 bucks a page. So please, if you have the time, stop on down. I'd be happy to accommodate for you. Well, I guess that's it. Have a wonderful evening, everybody. And, uh, who knows? Sh shooting for two episodes this week. <laughs>